Emergency services. Please, you gotta help me. There's this weird guy. Ma'am. Please. Ma'am, call us when you're dead. What the fuck? Welcome back, callers, to another episode of Call Us When You're Dead. I'm Keith. And I'm Ryan. And on today's episode, we are going to be covering the Michael Hernandez case. Yeah, this is definitely one of those cases where right now there's just a heads up. It's bad all around. (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, We are coming up into our first full year, which is super exciting. Yay! And we know that this episode is coming out a little bit later than normal for our Wednesday releases. However, this is not the first time we've recorded this episode. This is just the first time, hopefully, hopefully, that it will actually upload. So, yeah, yeah. And as uh, Keith just mentioned, we are coming up on our first year anniversary Mm -hmm. of Call Us When You're Dead. And we are letting you know now there is going to be a special one-year anniversary episode. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. You have, you'd kind of told me like your idea and I told you mine and they both inadvertently happened to match each other's of what we thought would be like the best. So I'm excited for it to come out. For sure. And that will be released the week after the season five finale. Yes. So, you know, typically we weren't doing any more breaks anymore and then we, you know, so we're going to have a... A break, essentially. <laughs> but you'll still get a new episode. You will get a new episode before we start season six. And we will talk more about season six in that special episode. But until then, you know what else is super special? What's that? Our callers. Ooh, true story. Mm-hmm. So we have Chris DC. Demetrius W. And Victoria W. Thank you guys so much for being callers. So, as Keith mentioned, we are going to give you the heads up. And it's, it's going to be a rough one, as it's going to be dealing with a two 14-year-olds. One being the murderer, and one being the victim. So, if this is going to be too much for you this time around, we would say right now is probably the best time to jump out of that trusty time machine. But for those of you that are going to be staying, we'll be taking you back to February 1st, 2003 a year prior to the killings, so we can get a look at one Michael Hernandez. Please keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the time machine at all times. Call us when you're dead. It's not responsible for any lost limbs. Michael was Manny and Kathy Hernandez's son. Each had begun to notice Michael was starting to have what some parents might call odd behaviors. However, it was not enough to cause them to call psychologists. So, what do you feel about that? If you are a parent and you notice your child having some odd behaviors, don't you go to the doctor, like? Not always. I could see on their end where they're like, oh, well, they're just being, you know, they're kids, they're growing up, and they're being weird. And sometimes kids just need to be kids. Doctors don't always need to get involved with kids being kids. Some kids just have very weird quirks. For sure. And if it's subtle and it's not showing, like, a bunch all at once... You know, like, oh, they caught him murdering a cat. Then I'd be like, yeah, we should probably call a psychologist. But because of the fact that he's not showing, you know, he's just, they're odd. But what to you might be odd to somebody else might be very normal. And that seems to be how Michael's parents felt. Because to them, they figured Michael was just starting eighth grade and he was doing what most eighth grader boys do. And that is act very odd for their age. Yeah, I think every... Every kid that's starting to get closer to that high school 
life. They're trying to come into their own. And so they do weird, weird things. You and I were out the other day, and we watched a group of boys all have to hit the top of the exit before they left. And then I found a video on TikTok that that's normal now for eighth grade boys to want to do that because it's something cool that they're doing. And I'm like, where are your parents? <laughs> Why are you hitting things? You don't, right. you don't even own this place. Why are you hitting this? Oh, man. It used to be, man, what I would give to be a kid again. But now I feel like I wouldn't survive as a kid. No, I wouldn't either because <laughs> I feel like most kids nowadays, they just do random weird things. And you're like, how are you alive? If I did that, number one, my parents probably would have killed me. And number two, it it probably would have just killed me. <laughs> Right, right. Every day after he would get out of school, he would ride his bike. However, when he came home, he would have to close the garage door a certain number of times before he would even come inside to wash up for dinner. Sounds a little OCD. Very much so. You know, maybe he's... People start to develop, I think, OCD around that time or younger. So For sure, for sure. It's very possible that he's just exhibiting OCD behaviors. Yeah, yeah. Well, whenever he would go to the fridge, he would have to open both doors to it. So I'm assuming it's like those one French Double, ones. Yeah. yeah. And he would have to look both right, left, right, left several times before he was able to make a decision on what he wanted. See, if I had pulled that shit, my mom would have said, close the goddamn garage door, or not garage door, <laughs> the door to the fridge and stop opening my fridge door. Right. To both Manny and Kathy, this had not raised any red flags. However, it did cause them to keep a closer eye on him. So, for me at this point, I'm not saying it's like red flags, but there's, I feel there should be more concern on yeah, Michael's it, parents to get at least get him diagnosed for the doctors to say, yep, it is an OCD, OCD thing. thing yeah. or, but it gets even better because even prior to going to school, Michael had started to want the same type of lunch each and every day. Bologna and cheese on a public egg roll with Hellman's mayo. May- mayonnaise. I don't know why. Mayo. Mayo. If they it. ever tried Miracle Whoop, he. Miracle Whoop? <laughs> Whoop. Oop. If they ever tried Miracle Whip, he would know and throw a fit about it. My- Michael would be like, Is that Miracle Whip? Mayo. Mayo. <laughs> Get that Hellman's. Right. He, that sounds like some bougie shit, because <laughs> Hellman's is expensive. Right, right. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me some Hellman's. I do, too. I think that's the only thing we've ever bought since you and I have been together is Hellman's. It just tastes better. Now, but What's weird is we we always buy Miracle Whip, but we get our Hellman's on our certain sub sandwiches. Oh, yeah, And then we yeah, get yeah, all yeah. sorts of little packets. So when we do want that... Hellman's flavor. Yeah, we're we're being bougie when it comes to going <laughs> out, but now it's so bougie when it's buying it ourselves. Right. Also, we did look it up, callers. When we say egg roll, he wanted that wrapper that you would put the filling in for in actual egg rolls. And if he didn't get it, he would start to become very frustrated. Could you imagine having a kid that would only eat food? On something that it's not even meant for. I'm sure that those April <laughs> wraps are so expensive. And now you have to go out and buy even that instead of just regular old bread that's what, a dollar ninety-nine? Well, okay, so speaking from experience, the egg roll wrappers are not that expensive and it comes in you get quite a few sheets of them. 
However, egg roll wrappers are fairly small, so you that piece of bologna would cover that entire wrapper. So I'm just trying to like figure out. Well, I wonder if he had her cut it into strips and then put mayo on underneath each strip, and then she had to lay it down and then put the cheese over it and then roll it all together like it was a freaking egg roll. Ooh, that's a good possibility. Oh, and another thing though, with the egg roll wrappers, they're raw. And you to cook them, you gotta like deep fry them. Oh, otherwise it's like kind of a raw dough. So is he having his mom deep fry them all, or is he just eating that raw dough? He's probably eating that raw dough, and that's gross. Once he had his lunch, he would just sit. He would just sit and watch the grandfather clock tick tock away until it was time for him to go out the door. However, he had to watch it at the same time. And for the same amount of time before he'd even be willing to leave. This wasn't just for school, though. It was for everything. If his parents wanted him to go with them somewhere, they would have to go give him a time and let him look at the clock for a certain amount of time, or he would have a tantrum. That's annoying. Yeah. If you, the moment that your kid starts dictating how your house is ran and what will go on, that's the moment you need to get somebody else involved. For sure, for sure. Like, I feel like that would have been... All of the other things leading up to this, yeah, they're weird. Yes, they're quirky. But now he's dictating things, like when you can go, when you can't go, what you're doing and what you're not doing, and that is an issue. Right. By December, Michael's parents couldn't take much more. So, they got a list of doctors that would be able to see him from their insurance agency and decided that by the end of January, they would call someone. And this was because... They wanted their son's midterms to be done. Correct. However, they will never get to make that call, as it it would only be three days after January ends that Michael would do something awful. Could you imagine, hey, I'm waiting for my kid's midterms to be done because we don't want to interrupt that. We want him to continue to be a good student. We understand this is something that's going to interrupt his life. And then you wait, and because of that waiting... What happens, happens. I more so want to say shame on the parents. The midterms should not matter compared to your child's health. Right. If you have to interrupt your kid's health, like, life, talk to the teachers. Tell the teachers, hey, we've got something going on. He might need extra assistance with this, but, you know, something is happening with him and we have to deal with this. Yeah, so I was checking out some of the articles and I did not see too much on, like, the teacher's point of view for his behaviors yeah i when even when i was looking i could not find anything you know and yes colors i already know this case because i actually was the one that found it but i also could not find much on what the teachers thought of anything i think i found one teacher say oh he was always a good student right and they were so shocked about what had happened but nobody else came forward to say like hey i saw all these things or there was this, or there was that, or there were pre-warning signs. I don't think there was much warning signs. I think this was just, it happened. Right, right. This will bring us to February 3rd, 2004. That day was the day that Michael Hernandez would kill his best friend. Why, you ask? Because he believed it would be the start of his legacy of a notorious serial killer. All right, so, 14 years old. His ambition appears, you know, people want to be doctors, lawyers, police officers, join the military. He's like, I want to be a serial killer. I wonder how that career day went for him. 
Oh my God. Do you remember that in school? Yes. Where they would give you that questionnaire, and at the bottom he was putting serial killers <laughs> and then filling it in. Serial or, killer filling it in. And then having the, the tables, and you got fucking holograms of Bundy and Gacy and <laughs> Gain just... Hey, come on over. This right. is how you do it. <laughs> this is this is what I want to be in life. <laughs> well, well, Michael, right here is a machete, <laughs> and most serial killers enjoy using the machete. <laughs> Ted Bundy enjoyed using the crowbar. <laughs> right. <laughs> he used what we like to call night night medicine or <laughs> chloroform. <laughs> right. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> fucked up. It is. Now I'm going to have dreams about that night-night medicine. <laughs> so Michael would convince his friend, Jamie Go. I think it's Gao. Gao. Apologies in advance. It's either Go or Gao, but I think it might be Jamie Gao. But either way, he would convince him to come to the bathroom because he supposedly had something interesting to show him. Ain't nobody got nothing good to show you in a bathroom. It's either going to be a horrible-looking turd... <laughs> Which, that's fucked up in and of itself. Nobody wants to see your poop. <laughs> or, they're trying to beat you up. They're trying to do something bad. Anytime I see, like, a group of people being like, I gotta show you something in the bathroom. No, you ain't got <laughs> nothing to show me in no bathroom. Take a picture. Right, right. Draw me a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Once both boys were inside the bathroom, Michael locked the stall door behind them. Then, Michael began to stab the defenseless Jamie over and over again. He would end up stabbing Jamie over 40 times. Then, just to make sure the 14-year-old was dead, he slit his throat, then hid the murder weapon in his backpack backpack, and headed to class as if nothing had ever happened. That is sadistic. It is. That is way, way out of left field. Like, you just don't expect that. No, no. And for him to be so calm is what makes it even scarier. Right, right. Uh, I feel another thing that's very interesting is if this was two adults, I feel people would look at this and be like, oh, this is potentially a crime of passion. Right. But this is nothing. There's no real motive. Right. In the end. Right. The passion for Jamie or for Michael was starting his... Legacy, legacy. <laughs> right? And my question is, is, what made him think he was going to get away with leaving a body in the school bathroom? Oh, you find out later. Oh, okay. Because that I don't know. <laughs> there are some certain things that I don't know about this, and so that is something that I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's it's interesting. That's um, interesting. The way that you said that tells me yes, it is very interesting. <laughs> Jamie's body was found shortly thereafter. By other students who notified staff immediately. Good job, right. students. You found a body, you told. <laughs> that should just be a given for anybody. If you find a body that's alive or dead, but it looks something wrong with it, call somebody. Right. The authorities were called. One of the teachers noticed some blood on Michael. When he didn't have a reasonable ex- explanation for the blood, the police figured they might have a suspect. After going through his backpack, they knew they had the culprit. Yeah, so I guess his backpack had some blood on it, but the contents inside were just... Seeped with blood? I would pretty think much, that yeah. there would be a lot of blood. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot. You know, okay, my other question is, is how did he get back into the classroom? Because there's 40 stab wounds. 
and a throat slitting. We've all seen what stab wounds do. Each time you're going up, you're, you're throwing blood in different directions. Right. And I know that's dark and this is gross talking about that. But how did nobody in the at all when he came back in not notice him covered in blood? Because I feel like he would have to be covered in blood. You would certainly think that. Two reasons why I believe he wasn't. It wasn't like a Bowie knife or anything like He was just kind of like a pocket knife. Right. And then I want to say he had a protective coat, poncho, jacket that he ended up having on or a change of clothes or something. Because there definitely would have been blood everywhere. Right. And especially like on his shoes. Right. I'm thinking like shoes, face, hair. Right. You know, it, it just... And I'm not trying to get to, like, dark sense, but I just, I don't understand how they wouldn't have noticed unless he cleaned up or he had something to change into. And even then, you would just be like, why do you look weird? Why do you look (laughs) like you just took a shower? Right, right. You know, anyway, now that that dark thought is out of my brain, can we get to the trial? Absolutely. So... Michael was okay with getting arrested and going to jail because he was expecting God to give him powers to help him escape from jail. So he's like, go ahead, throw me in jail. I'm going to get powers from God so I can poof out. I don't know. I wonder where that is in the Bible. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, Crazy three, six, nine or somewhere in there. Like, okay, listen, I know there's a time where like God opens the cell cages to let Paul out of jail. Or Peter out of jail, one of the two. I can't remember. They're both peas. He, like, breaks the cage door. <laughs> like, the jail door is open, and he lets him out. Don't think God is like, hey, you just stabbed somebody 40 times, and that was wicked cool, so I'm going to give you power <laughs> now of me to get out. Right. And continue murdering. So, he did openly admit to planning the murder for a while. In fact, he had it all written down in his journal. And this journal included... A hit list, which Jamie was on, and I want to say his sister was on it as well. Yes, I did see that. A step-by-step plan of how to murder. Mm -hmm. A description of how he wanted to leave the bodies after killing them. Well, that's fucked up. An inventory list of what is in his murder kit. Oh, every murderer should be prepared. You should know (laughs) what is in your murder kit, because what if you need rope? Right, right. And you've forgotten the rope. Right, And titles of violent movies and video games he liked. Oh, okay. And writings on his interest of starting a cult. Because what better thing to do other than becoming a murderer and starting a cult? (laughs) And So, yeah, this was all in his journal. Did he also have beady eyes? I don't remember, because that would have completed the trifecta of crazy. (laughs) So, I don't know. I... I feel like for Michael's parents, they're, they're exhibiting this odd behavior... Would it be wrong to say, maybe take a peek in the journal? No, absolutely not. You go right to that journal. And if you don't think that that kid... Ha- Listen, if you don't think that any of your, your male or female kids have journals and you can't find them, you tear that room upside down. Everybody has some <laughs> kind of journal when they're male and female growing up at a young age. Right, right. It's because and it might be in a notebook. It might be in something that's so subtle look through that shit. There is writing somewhere about how they're feeling because they don't want to talk about it. Yep, yep. So clearly, Michael was going to go for that insanity defense. Well, yeah. (laughs) Right. Well on his way. 
Well, after meeting with different psychologists, the doctors determined that he could, could be a paranoid schizophrenic. And since it was not a definite diagnosis, the courts ruled that he could stand trial. See, I don't agree with that he could be a paranoid schizophrenic. He's not showing paranoid schizophrenia signs. He's showing signs of somebody that's very deranged at a young age. Right. Not, hey, I'm seeing things and that's causing me to believe in certain things. So what I took from it was with the potential that could be paranoid schizophrenic was he had this weird OCD-like behavior at home. And then, as we discussed earlier, at school, there wasn't many follow-ups. So, maybe he was just a normal, okay, not normal, but uh, an average kid at school, and there was no red flags or OCD behavior. Oh, you know, that is is a good sign. You know, not a good sign, (laughs) but a good point, I mean, of maybe you're right. Maybe he was having paranoid schizophrenia issues because he's out of his environment when he's at school. Right. And yeah. in his environment, he's allowing the the voices to tell him to do whatever. Right, right. And another uh, psychologist did officially diagnose him with OCD. But just because you're diagnosed with OCD does not mean you are insane. Or a murderer. Correct. If that was the case, there'd be a lot more murders in the United States or yeah. around the world. OCD right. is very common. Very much so. So, Michael was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Then, it was later overturned when the U.S. Supreme Court said juveniles cannot be sentenced to life. However, due to disturbing phone calls that he had while in jail and his lack of remorse, the Court of Appeals opted to uphold his life sentence. Okay, so I don't agree with just because he was young doesn't mean that he should be allowed, shouldn't be allowed to get a life sentence. Clearly, you can do some real fucked up crazy things at a young age. Right, right. He was 15? 14. He was 14. Okay. He does have... That, I understand that you're not fully developed yet. You don't understand everything that you're doing. However, what if he had went in and slaughtered his whole family? And then went into the school and slaughtered more children in the school? I don't think the U.S. Supreme Court would have been so quick to be like, Oh, hey, it's okay. He needs to go back. And then to make it even worse, when you said that he was like show that he had really disturbing phone calls and he's not showing any lack of remorse, for them to say these phone calls were disturbing, they had to have been really dark. Yes, they were very dark. I don't know who was on the receiving end of the phone calls with Michael, Mm -hmm. but the article was saying that he was continuously still talking about his, his serial killers that he idolizes and... What he wanted to do still. Right. Right. So pretty much still sticking true to his journal. Of I'll just continue to be a murderer. Right, right. I feel like if you're, you know, if you're going to get out, there needs to be a change because that's what prison is for, to rehabilitate somebody. And if the person is not ever showing any signs of rehabilitation or is unwilling to be rehabilitated, maybe you just don't let them out. Exactly, exactly. On April 29th, 2021, Michael died at the age of 31 years old in prison from cardiac dysrhythmia, attributed to morbid obesity. He was getting fat in prison. Yeah, pretty much had a weak heart and a fat belly. Was he telling everybody, I'll stab you to death if you don't give me your food? 
Because typically you see prisoners and they're thin. And I always think, God, are they feeding them? Right. Well, I guess there is video of when he dies, because I guess he was like in a commons area, just slumps over. Oh, and he just said, goodbye, cruel world? I mean, I think it was uh, God giving him his power to get out of jail. Oh, that's a good one. Here's your power <laughs> to get out. Death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I yeah. don't know. So, how does this relate to the season five theme of murderous entertainment? We kind of hinted at it during the episode, but his crimes were inspired by a movie or movies. Michael would admit that he modeled his behavior and aspired to be like the serial killers in the movies American Psycho and Silence of the Lambs. So, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen American Psycho, but I have seen Silence of the Lambs. Right, and that Hannibal Lecter guy is one fucked up individual. Right, but I don't think Hannibal Lecter did... Stuff like that, did he? I know that he ate people. Yeah. Did he have lists? I don't feel like he ever had lists. I felt like it was pretty like, step one, <laughs> trap them. Step two, eat their brains with fava beans. Right, right. But allow them to live. <laughs> and, and, and that is the case of Michael Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, this one's super quick, super short. Yeah, I did. I'm not going to lie. I did enjoy, you know, the past few episodes have been, these crimes inspired a movie. Yeah. And I kind of like that we went back to this crime occurred because, because they were movie. inspired by the movie. Yeah. Have you ever seen American Psycho? Oh, I don't believe so. I possibly could have. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to add that to the movies we need to watch list. <laughs> add it to the list. Right. So I say this every single time, and I will continue to say this. You are in charge of your own mental health. And so if you or somebody that you know is struggling with a mental health crisis or suicide, or suicidal thoughts, I guess I should say, please call 988, where a trained professional is standing by to help you. And as always, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget to follow us on our socials, facebook.com slash callusdead. Follow us on TikTok at callusonedead where you can see some fun videos of us, or better yet, the Chunky Kitty Dracaris, the Little Sugar Gliders Emma and Regina, or of course, our perfect pooches Lola and Bailey. Or email us at callusdead at yahoo.com to tell us what you thought about the case, ask some questions, suggest some cases. Or if you want us to send a shout out to someone for you, let us know. But until then... Remember to stay strong. Do everything with love. Know there is always hope. And in case you forget, you can always call call us when when you're you're dead. dead.